What's up you all, it's Will. First things first, a very happy Halloween to you all. I hope you have been loving all of the extra stuff that we've been putting out in October just as much as we've loved making it. So, have a very spooky day and enjoy these Halloween-themed sinister sightings. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 35. And it's a special Halloween edition. Why'd I say it so weird? <laughs> I don't know, but we're keeping it. No! And right off the bat, we have to say a happy belated birthday to Amber Muncy. Oh, hey, Amber. Happy birthday. I'm not going to sing for you. <laughs> Everyone will turn off the podcast. Well, Carrie's the only one who can be on pitch or whatever but not really anymore if you don't use it you lose it well never had it amber your lovely husband Dwayne, emailed in and just told us all the things he loves about you and how awesome you are and we completely agree however i do have one thing to say oh shit you done did it now amber <laughs> i remember that you called them pill bugs and they are definitely roly polies <laughs> a very freaking happy birthday to you, Ember. We have loved getting to know you in the Facebook group, and we wish you many more happy birthdays with your amazing husband. Like, hashtag relationship goals. Um, hashtag, does he have a brother? <laughs> if so, dibs. Oh, I taught you too well. Mm-hmm. Also, almost as awesome as Amber, the voice that you heard at the beginning, um, that's Will. We love Will. Unless he's airing our dirty laundry. Will has been hanging out with Donna too much lately because uh, they both spilling all the fucking tea. If you don't know, if this is your first time tuning in, hello. Welcome. And Will is our editor. Our producer, our lifeline, our sounding board for all of our ideas. Mm-hmm. He's freaking the best. He really is. And I'm pretty sure he's probably blushing... While he's editing this. Mm -hmm. No, he's not. He's like, uh, duh. Tell me more. Keep going. And he does keep going because like all of these intros, he does it on the bloopers that he does every month on the Patreon. So if you want to hear more of him, hop on over. Mm -hmm. Check it out. Or if you want to intro like he did this time. Still hop on over. Check it out. And where will they go, Carrie? Patreon.com slash DAPC podcast. All right, jumping right in. Hi, ladies. Yeah, so this email is unforgivably long for how short the story is, but I think it's full of embarrassing goodness. So enjoy your schadenfreude, everyone. Cat, that was really hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was really, really into church from like sixth grade through my junior year. Community service, mission trips, youth rallies, a.k.a. thousands of Methodist kids hyped up on all the sugar in the world because it was like one adult per 300 kids and everyone <laughs> screaming along to those contemporary songs played by some rock band we're supposed to know, but who the hell knows the names of any Christian rock bands? Okay, maybe I went to a Pillar gig way before anyone knew who they were because they're from my neck of the woods. So I know a Christian band name, fine. 
DC Talk is one. Yeah. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Casting Crowns. All I can think of is Chris Tomlin. He's a, uh, just, but he's like an individual. Yeah. That's yeah. all I got. <laughs> Third day. That's all I got. Okay. Yes, I win. Cat, <laughs> uh, I was really into church too for. Uh, we've, I think everybody has had mm-hmm. that phase. I mean, honestly, I've gone through it a couple of times in my life yeah, where same. it was like, yay, church. Not that there's anything wrong with it. No, you no, do no, what, no. You're, what you love and what you feel led to do, you know? Yeah, but, definitely. But girl, we've all been here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Despite the rumors, BTW, Creed is not a Christian band. Just putting that out there because somebody's definitely going to make a post in the Facebook group about all the Christian bands they can name and Creed inevitably comes up. Stop. That's what she said. <laughs> anyway, Christ, why do I talk so much? I say all, like literally, <laughs> I say all this just to lead up to the fact that my church put on a haunted house one year, only one year. And let me specify that it was not a hell house because our church, our church's philosophy is that, homie, don't play that. Our haunted house was pathetic. We worked really hard, which basically means we found a smoke machine and hung ripped up trash bags from the ceiling to create a maze for the younger kids to walk through. And there might have been spaghetti or peeled grapes you had to put in your hand in at the end. And, of course, like any youth group run haunted house, the older kids were placed strategically around the maze to jump out and traumatize the younger kids. That's not really my personality, but I counted as a, quote, older kid. So I was all poised and ready to be the most pathetic jump scare ever. They put me at the very front, possibly because I tend to end up as a good lesson in what not to do. Yeah, that gig did not last long for me. As the first jump scare in the maze, I resolved to really just put myself out there and commit to the bit. The first kid to come through was a girl around eh, fourth grade, I think. That only matters because the size of the child will become relevant in a second. Wow, I just realized that this is the kind of bittersweet memory because she just recently died in an awful car crash as she was driving her sisters to dance class. Shit. Well, here's to Abby, the sweet girl who sent me to urgent care on the first and only day of my haunted house career. Oh my gosh. I had decided to jump out on all, on all fours like a dog, which is stupid. Don't do that. You see, it puts you at head level with the people's feet. And the instinct to kick is apparently hard to resist for a little kid. So I jumped out at Abby, growling and screaming. And this little badass didn't hunt scream, did not jump back. She just fucking hauled off and kicked me in the head so hard that I don't really have a clear memory of the next half hour. So, blah, blah, went to the urgent care, had fun little concussion, never did a haunted house again. I got a bit of shit from the youth group for a while because it was the craziest thing to happen until my brother and his friend decided to play indoor baseball with a can of paint and a pool cue they found in the youth room. Man, I'm going to have to loosely classify everything in my youth group as, quote, true crime so I can send in all of the insane stories. Stay tuned to find out what happens when you pour an entire pack of crystal light directly into your mouth during silent prayer time. Oh, shit. So anyway, creep it real and don't put your head at kick level if you're going to jump out at people. I guess you're screwed if you have to jump out at Chuck Norris or Jackie Chan or something. Creep it real and don't put yourself in a situation where you have to jump at somebody with the ability to kick you in the head, I guess. Cat J. Oh my god, Cat. Again, epic fucking story. Had me on all fours laughing. Okay. Eh. Good morning, ladies. I'm new to the podcast, but I'm addicted. I have just finished the first Sinister Sightings episode. 
That was a lot that you did. Very, I'm very proud of you. You read that so well. Why did we come up with sinister sightings? We? Okay, me. I was just trying to give you credit. I don't, uh uh-uh. This is all (laughs) you. Let's give credit where credit's due. Oh, thanks. (laughs) I mean, I like to be able to blame you. That's, this is what this relationship is. I've just finished the first Sinister Sightings episode, so I figured maybe I should share my story. Hope you enjoy. It still gives me chills to this day. I am here for this. Mm-hmm. About 16 years ago in 2003. Yep. 16 years ago, I graduated high school? Yep. Fucking Sinister Sightings. Done. <laughs> This email just shook me to my fucking core on the second sentence. (laughs) We haven't even got into the spooky. That is spooky. 16 years. Everyone that's older than us is listening is like, really? Well, and I don't care about the age. I'm just saying 2003 was 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. Because I know this is a meme and like everybody always like says this. It's like cliche kind of trite thing to say, but like. 20 years ago, truly in my head, is 1970. 20 years ago for me is 1980. Mm. Like, no. that's, that's what 1970 I think. 1970 for me. That's so funny. And it is 40. That's so crazy. I'm so sorry to have hijacked your story already, but just reading that, I was like... The fuck? Graduated high school, started college 16 years ago. We've lived a lot of life since then. Yeah, but 16 years. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's been 16 years, I know. I think it was fucking six. Y'all, did y'all know that? 16 years. 2003, graduated high school, went to college. 16. Okay, back to the show. Yes. About 16 years ago. 16 years ago. <laughs> about 16 years ago in 2003, my family moved to a little town called Yelm which is in Washington State. I was seven and my brother was three. We moved in a neighborhood on Halloween night. Dumbest thing I've ever heard. Anyway, since I was so young, I understood what ghosts were, but now that I'm 23, I'm a lot more of a pansy about them. We got settled into our new little house very quickly. Fast forward, moving all of the furniture in and actually calling it home. I personally haven't had any crazy encounters with a ghost in this home besides my bedroom light turning on and off and hearing footsteps. But for my dad and my little brother, it's a whole nother story. It's crazy how some ghosts, like, choose a specific gender to... Yeah. You know? Yeah. Gotta be about energy. Or their experiences as a human. Mmm. True. My dad claimed that every night he would hear running up and down the stairs thinking that it was my brother and myself and we were up playing. He would get up and check the stairs, look over the railing, and then look in our rooms and realize that we were sound asleep in our beds. He would even wait with their bedroom door cracked to make sure we didn't sneak out and start playing again. And we never did. He also would see things move in the darkness of their bedroom, but never said anything about it. My dad brother and myself believe in all things haunted but my mother does not believe even after what went down in this home 
One night, my brother got up and went into my parents' room crying. He walked up to my dad's side of the bed and said this, Daddy, the lady in the attic said that she doesn't like you and that she wants you to leave. What the fuck? If you don't leave, then she's going to hurt me. What the fuck? Right? Let's just say that he didn't leave, and a couple of nights later, my brother went back into my parents' room crying again. They asked him why he was crying, and he said, The lady in the attic bit me. Oh, my God. We looked at his arm, and there were, in fact, two bite marks on my three-year-old brother's arm. My mom, being the non-believer that she is, was worried and didn't know what was in our home. If my brother bit himself and is making it all up, she just didn't know. She knew she had to do something when my brother was so scared of going upstairs to the point that he would cry and scream that the lady was going to hurt him and that she lives in the attic, which the attic was right outside of my room, of course. Mm. He would look up at the attic and point and say, that's where she lives or she's been up there and she is not happy. All kinds of weird, scary things. My mom finally felt fed up with how my brother was feeling and how he just wasn't feeling safe. What we did was we were downstairs getting ready to bless the house ourselves. My dad, being the smart-ass dick that he is, was saying, this isn't going to work. This is so stupid. You're stupid if you think this is going to work. Just being rude. Is is this my life? (laughs) My dad would do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Still does. Mm -hmm. All the time. Mm Mm-hmm. My mom got some oil and we prayed over it. After we were done with the prayer, the heater started blowing out freezing cold air and my dad's whole body went pale and freezing cold. We then walked around the bottom half of the house and put crosses on every door and said that whatever was in this house was not welcome and needed to leave. We continued to scream that at the top of our lungs. Whatever was in our house was so pissed off that the upstairs was going crazy. It sounded like someone was flipping over furniture. There was a lot of banging and just very loud noises until the very last bang. It sounded like someone had grabbed all of the blinds upstairs and slammed them down. Then it was just silent. It was so quiet that the only thing you could hear was the heater, which was blowing out hot air now. My smart-ass dick of a dad then said, you need to go do that upstairs now. So we all went up there together. My dumbass, not really understanding what just happened, is the first one to run upstairs. We then all held hands and prayed to keep whatever the fuck that shit was out of our home. After that, we didn't really have anything crazy happen again. I do believe something was still there, though, because my dog would bark upstairs, and one night she was just barking up at the ceiling and then slowly followed whatever she was looking at down to the floor and then jumped and scratched and barked at the floor in my bedroom. I looked for spiders, bugs, anything visible, but I truly believe there was something messing with my dog, and my dog tried to attack it, and then it went through the floor. Then we heard the doorbell ring, and it was the old renter before us. She stopped by and asked if we received a package because it got sent to our address. And we gave it to her, and then she asked my mom how we liked it. And my mom said, it's okay. Did you ever have anything weird happen to you, like with the lady? 
And the woman goes, oh, yes, the lady in red. She's very kind and minds her own business. There's actually multiple of them in the attic. They know not to bother me when I'm in my office, which was my brother's room at the time. Mm. If they're giving you trouble, I'll just take them with me right now. My mom tells her they aren't here. We got rid of them. She was messing with my son and you can't take them because they're not here. And then she shut the door in her face. (gasps) The old renter's daughter lived right next door and she came over one time and got whatever she needed. Then when she was going to leave, she grabbed the door handle and her hand got flung off of the door handle. And then the door shut and was locked. They would not let her out. I don't know what we were dealing with in that house, but they were assholes. Hope you enjoyed my story. Those bitches are finally gone. Emma. Emma, why didn't your mom let her take them? They were gone. No, they weren't. I know. True. I, oh, God. No, they weren't if no. they were still doing that. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. That is so scary. One, waking up and a little kid being beside you. Even if I was the dad, I'd be like, whoa. But then him being like, you got to go? Or the lady's going to hurt me? I mean, did your dad, I want to know if your dad believed after. Like, after all of that, was was he still, like, grumbly, like, uh, or did he actually believe? I think he believed in it. He just didn't believe in, like, the... The blessing and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I guess so. Wowza. Okay, this one says, I would have been about kindergarten or younger, but I was raised until kindergarten in Colorado on Elm Street. Oh, fuck. Every neighbor answered the door in full Freddy Krueger gear with claws. People played the theme music on speakers through the streets. People had life-size Freddies stuffed on their roofs. Needless to say, I used to drop my candy and run home or only make it to a few houses a year. Jay. Oh, fuck. My brother would not have been able to survive. Your brother is so scared of Freddy Krueger. Like, literally, he, that right there would make him stay up all night. Die. No, he would do his no, death I mean, well. that story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I said this on the AMA, but Nightmare on Elm Street was the first, I think, like, scary horror movie I ever saw. And I'm talking I was young, like, five. Well, my parents' bedroom was, like, down this little hall at my, at their house that, like, it was the only thing down there. And their bathroom always creeped me out. But after they got out of the shower, they would, like, close the shower curtain to let it dry, you know. So you could never see in their bathtub. And in my little five-year-old, six-year-old head, that's where Freddy Krueger lived. Oh, my gosh. And so, like, I was so scared of what was behind that shower curtain because I knew it was Freddy Krueger. Yes. Okay, these are from Lindsay. These aren't Halloween Day stories, But they happened leading up to Halloween. Backstory. I worked as a team lead at Party City in 2013. Halloween was Party City's Black Friday. I so believe that, though. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. I would not be going. Uh Uh-uh. I'll go Black Friday. I am not going (laughs) Party City. On the Sunday before Halloween, we were open extra late. We were robbed at gunpoint (gasps) by men in Halloween masks. No. The one who pointed a gun at me wore the ghost face mask from Scream. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Mm. Thankfully, something scared them and they ran and we were all able to run and lock ourselves in the office until the police came. 
Key fact here, I was pregnant. Oh, no. Fast forward to last year. Though I usually avoided the mask, I took my four-year-old through that aisle. She looked directly at the screen ghost face mask and said, that's the man from my dream. What? She's terrified of that mask to this day. And I mean, wasn't she technically there? What? Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. Whew. Chills. Yes. Chills. Like, literal. Whew. Okay, so then she attached two little stories. One's called The Devil, and it's true crime. And then one is called The Devil Reaches, and it's paranormal. I looked the devil in the face one night. Eyes hollow, he barked out commands. A gun pointed right at me. I'm fucking pregnant. Everything moved so slow, yet so fast. This isn't happening. This isn't happening. But it is. And I don't know if I'll ever meet this baby or see my other child or husband again. And I always thought that the devil was a figurative being, but he's not. He's human just like you and me, hiding behind a cheap mask. And he's here in front of me. Here, I thought this can never happen to me. He was gone as fast as he came and suddenly my realities changed. It felt like a lingering nightmare, but the harsh truth of it filters into every thought. The first time I said it out loud to a stranger, it sounded like a warped joke. Their faces went serious, not knowing what to say about the devil as they watched me drive away. I found salvation in the arms of my daughter that same night I found hell, her sweet innocence cleansing the soot on my heart. I clung to it, to her, too sacred to ever let go again. My life went back to a new form of normal where I always looked over my shoulder, convinced I'd see the devil still there. And I saw him everywhere for a while, as pumpkins and ghosts turned into turkeys and candy canes, I found peace. The many reminders became less and less. It's been a year now. I've moved on in a physical and figurative sense. I did meet that baby I thought I would lose forever. My life became the perfect happiness I always imagined it would. Sometimes, at night, though, I look the devil in the face. Whew. I did not know this was going to be that story. Me neither. Whew. One, great writer. Mm-hmm. Two, like, my breath, like, whew. Okay, so this one is The Devil Reaches, and this is about her daughter in the aisle. After five years, I figured it was safe to walk that way, past the rows after rows after rows, filled to the brim with the dark reminders of that night. It's not that I haven't been able to handle a barrage of plastic, rubber, and black fabric. It was just that I preferred to not be reminded. No one enjoys a forced reminder of your visit to hell. Of all the masks on that wall, she pointed right to the face of the devil. He's the one who's in my dream. For five years, I avoided that face. For five years, I more or less succeeded. But when the devil couldn't reach me, he went after my child, knew just how to get me using the child I thought I'd never meet because of him. Dark tendrils in the night, the devil reached into the mind of sweet innocence. 
made her look into his face the same as he did to me, all to show me he wouldn't leave me so easily, all to prove he was there. Shit. Whew, girl. That was good. You good. You're a good writer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Those were amazing. And I'm so sorry that happened to you. And like, no words, honestly. Well, all right. Well, this happened a couple of weeks ago. Let me tell you the backstory to explain my freak out. LOL. A couple of years ago, my neighbor, well, she lives half a mile down the road. We live in the middle of nowhere. She heard a knock on her door in the middle of the night, and a woman with blood all over was screaming for help. Wait, what? She called 911. It was a drug deal gone wrong, and the man cut her face with a knife. Drugs are really bad in our area. So now to my story. It's about nine at night. All of the kids are in bed besides my wonderful bonus son. He was still watching TV. I decided it's finally time for a cigarette and just relax for a minute. Again, we live in a very rural, you're welcome, LOL, area. (laughs) Glad I'm not reading it. (laughs) I can literally run around naked in the yard and no one would ever know. As I light my cigarette and just enjoy some quiet time, I hear a loud scream that sounds like a woman screaming for help. I froze. I ran in the house. My bonus son asked me what's going on and I told him. So he walked outside and said, I hear it too. I have been in EMS for years, so my natural reaction was I need to find out what's going on, lol. I made the 911 call. Well, we don't have a police officer in our town because apparently we don't have the funding for police. So, I had to wait for the sheriff to come. In the meantime, I called my in-laws who live about two miles from our house. My father-in-law came with his truck and flashlights to start looking because it could be an hour until somebody responds to that 911 call. Oh my god! Depending on what's going on. So, I'm standing there itching to see what's going on because I am on maternity leave and an adrenaline junkie, lol. I call my neighbor. She is also my children's teacher. I tell her about what I heard and she responded, please don't have another bloody woman knock at my door. Oh my gosh. Finally, two sheriff cars and a state police car show up. They get out of the car and search through the wood line that me and my stepson pointed out. 30 minutes go by. Everyone is out looking. A side-by-side came out of the woods. The police stopped him and asked if he heard anything. Of all people, it was one of my husband's friends. He was out in his deer stand getting everything ready for hunting. He told the sheriff what was going on in the woods. The sheriff walks up to me and is laughing. Now, I am shocked and confused. Why is the sheriff laughing at me? Well, the scream that I hear was a fucking bobcat. (laughs) Oh my gosh. He pulled his phone out and showed me a YouTube video. And yet, that's the sound I heard. If you have never heard a bobcat scream, I encourage you to go to YouTube and look up the video of a bobcat screaming. The sheriff saw me a couple of times since and always asks how my bobcat is doing. LOL. My neighbor died laughing and shared the story in school the next day. Well, I'm a big dummy. (laughs) Thank y'all for all you do. It makes housework so much more fun. Love, V. Oh my goodness. That's hilarious. Good morning, ladies. I do promise I have a life outside of listening to y'all's podcast, LOL. Well, I hope you don't. (laughs) (laughs) 
We don't. Absolutely not. <laughs> we go to work, come home, and podcast, mm-hmm. which we love. Mm-hmm. So this is another story from V, and this is her hayride story. Okay. So we went to my husband's ex-girlfriend's house. They have two daughters together, 18 and 15 years old. She's wonderful and married to an amazing man for over 10 years who is a wonderful bonus dad to those girls. We all have an amazing relationship as it should be. They prepared a fall night. She cooked amazing chili, probably the best I've ever had. We had a bonfire going and her husband prepared a hayride for all of the kids. I was super excited as me and my boys have never been on a hayride. My kids absolutely love her and her husband. So he starts explaining to my son, who is six, that we're going on a hayride once it's really dark and we can hear the werewolf scream. So my son came back about every five minutes to ask if he had heard the werewolf yet. (laughs) My husband walked out and screamed as a werewolf does, lol, so we knew it was time to go. A couple of friends of the girl's mom, the girls and their friends, and my three boys climbed onto the hayride. I went to my husband and asked if he would like to go and I can stay with our three-month-old baby. He is always super supportive and loves taking care of our baby, so I wasn't surprised when he said that I should go enjoy the hayride and that he would take care of the baby. As I get on the ride, they tell me that we're going to a local cemetery that everyone talks about being haunted. There's a tree where apparently three witches were hung on the cemetery ground. We were just talking and enjoying the ride, everyone having a blast. Well, all of a sudden, he turns around on the tractor seat to tell us from here on out is where people say they can see or feel things. I'm getting all excited, talking about how I should really have brought a pair of Depends, LOL. Girl, you know I understand. Mm Mm-hmm. Another mile down the road, I hear him say something's up with a tractor and he has to slow down. All of a sudden, something comes running out of the woods screaming. I hear my six-year-old scream and I try to back off. Well, off the hay I went. I tried to hold on to the girl's mom as she was sitting next to me, but it didn't work out so well. (laughs) It was my husband. (laughs) He and the girl's bonus dad planned this all along. He wanted to give me a good scare because I always listened to y'all's stories and thought that my first hayride should be a good memory. (laughs) He does this crap all the time. Once he came home from the coal mines without showering, it was super dark outside and I heard a knock at the door. It's a glass door. I didn't see anything until he opened his eyes (gasps) because his face was black due to the coal. Oh my God. I jumped, did something like a backstroke in midair. We have that kind of relationship, so it works with the gentle bullying, LOL. Hope y'all enjoyed this. Keep up the good work. Love, V. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. I love being scared, and I love scaring people. I love both equally as much. Like, I would laugh just as hard if you scare me as if I scare you. That's what equally as much. I hate you. (laughs) Hey, remember, it's been 16 years. 16 years. That is so something that would happen, and you would do the same thing as she did, fall, fall off under. the mm-hmm. tractor. Mm-hmm. I'd have sprained my ankle, too, but... Oh, for sure. You would have landed on the, one of the pebbles, you know, and, like, mm-hmm. had, like, a rock bruise on your hand, but it went crazy. Oh, doesn't that hurt when you hit right there? Mm-hmm. All right. Hi, Donna and Carrie. Going to make this brief, but 
It is too funny not to share for Halloween sinister sightings. Seven years ago, my wee tot, little M, was three. She was scooting around the house on one of those cars they sit on and push with their feet. All of a sudden, she went too fast down the hall, and before I could catch her, she went flying off forehead first into the wall. I run to her, and she quit crying as a huge black knot formed on her head in seconds. I was horrified and so scared for her. I scoop her up and rush her to the ER, luckily just around the corner. They rush her in and check her out. The doctor was very sweet with her and reassured me it's better to get a knot than a dent. Then he said, don't be offended, but we have to ask her some questions. I knew that they needed to make sure this wasn't child abuse. So my wee babe is on my lap. He lowers his stool and he says, Em, do you feel safe at home? At this point, she's sort of clinging to me, cuddled up against my shoulder. She shifts a little bit, and as I know she's painfully shy, I say, "Hun, you have to answer the doctor's questions. She sits up and hangs her head. He repeats the question. Imagine this tiny human, cute little pigtails, big blue eyes, not on her forehead. She slowly raises her head and stares him right in the eyes. One perfect large tear hanging from her bottom lash and says, no. Concerned, obviously, he says, why, sweetie? And without pause, she whispers, the zombie's outside. This takes him back and he actually chuckles. While trying to remain professional, he says, who are the zombies? Kind of with church giggles. She leans in and says, I don't know. Do you? Oh my gosh, how he, I know. He, full on laughing at this point, says, In all my years of being a doctor, I have never treated one, so I don't think I know either, hun. He then asks, Are mom and dad zombies? She shakes her head and says, Don't be silly. At which point I tell him, Two days ago, our neighbor put up a whole yard full of zombie Halloween decorations that she hates. He laughs and says, This is a patient he will never forget. And he hasn't. We've had to bring her there a few times for various minor kid reasons, and he always greets her with a big smile and says, Hi, zombie girl. Oh my gosh, that is great. All right. First of all, love the story and the kid. She's hilarious. My question is, though, does a doctor, like, so you ask a kid if they're safe at home in front of who's potentially making them not safe? Oh, true. That'll make no damn sense. True. Sidebar, because Donna just asked, did you say who um, it was signed by? If you don't sign them, I don't say who the email's from because I assumed you wanted it secret. It's a good rule. Also, I could, like, totally picture that happening. Oh, God, yes. You know, like, and the doctor is, like. Waiting with, like, bated breath. Like, like slowly leaning in, you know. As she's leaning in, she thinks she's about to tell you something really serious. yes. I could see your nephew when he was a kid doing that. Mm-hmm. All right. I have so many stories to tell, but this is the only event I experienced on Halloween night. Six days before my 12th birthday, we moved to a new neighborhood. My birthday is two days before Halloween, so I attract a lot of interesting energies, and I often investigate with gusto. Also, happy birthday. Yes. I would come to learn a lot about the area later on, but at that time, I was just a fearless preteen looking for some good candy. On Halloween night, I did the big sister thing and walked my five baby sisters through the nearby gated communities for trick-or-treating. 
And my dad thought he was outnumbered with four girls. Right? Six of y'all? Whew. Whew. Once they all got tired, I walked them home and then went out on my own to hit up the big houses further down the road. I hit the gold mine in the first neighborhood. Since I met my quota, plus enough to share with my sisters, I decided to head home. I remember it was dark and I barely knew my way around yet, but I was determined to find a shortcut home. Yep, I was that kid. I saw a house that I had remembered walking past from the other way, so I figured, what the hell? I'll just cut around here and see where it leads me. Well, it was even darker because the tree branches were so thick that you could barely see what little moonlight there was. I couldn't actually cut through the yard due to the fence, but I could tell the property was an extension of the backyard. It just kind of went off to the side and back into the woods a ways. I know we 90s preteens are a bit challenged with instructions, but I was a rebel and refused to use my glow stick up until this point. I wanted it for later. I had both candy bag handles around each wrist while I haphazardly struggled to reach the glow stick in my back pocket when I heard a couple of pieces hit the ground. I sighed and kneeled down to rest the bag so I could pick up the candy priorities mm-hmm. i'd have done the same thing mm-hmm. well no i'd have bent over and spilled more true very true i then reached around to grab the glow stick then cracked it over my knee what followed was the most terrifying moments of my childhood life my shortcut was this family's cemetery no I proceeded to grab my bags, then haul my preteen medium pizza ass to the gate. No. I ran so hard I could hear my lungs pop with each breath until boom, down I went. (gasps) I jumped up to realize my foot had sunk into the ground (gasps) right in front of a tombstone. No. That's what she puts. Nope. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what that was. Nope. You sound like Winifred. <laughs> That's exactly what she put. Nope. Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I pulled my foot out of that shoe and ran my happy ass home. Without your shoe? Without her fucking shoe. Yes, the candy survived, but I was down one shoe and a lasting impression to never take shortcuts on Halloween. Thank you, ladies, for everything you do, and I will have more for you another day. Hearts and hugs, Brandy. Oh, my God, Brandy. How fucking hilarious. Fucking priorities, too. Save the candy, fuck the shoe. Exactly. You can buy more shoes. Exactly. You have more shoes, I'm sure. And this candy's free. Like, you can't. I mean... It's the best kind of candy to eat. Yes. It tastes better than all other candy. It really does. Damn, that's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Hey, ghoul friends. First time submitting a sinister sighting. It's a bit long, so if you don't get to read it on an episode, that's totally okay. I just wanted to share with you guys because this is the craziest thing that's happened to me in years. I have both negative and positive experiences while visiting Brushy Mountain. So let's dive in. A bit of history, Brushy Mountain is nestled in Petros, Tennessee, in Frozen Head State Park. Are these actual places? Yes, I know. <laughs> it sounds like, like book places. Yes, like the really cool names that you're like, nothing ever exists that mm-hmm. sounds like that. It first opened its doors in 1896, which like 
their sign states, has been dangerous ever since. Mm. It was built by the hands of the original 210 inmates, then replaced with stone by more prison labor in 1934. It was Tennessee's only maximum security prison for 113 years, housing some of the state's most hardened criminals. A little celebrity input, James Earl Ray, who shot MLK Jr., was sentenced here. What? Also, a Knoxville local Zoo Man Husky, which is an interesting crime story if you ever want to read a story or do a show about him. Mm. Mark that down, Carrie. Gotta add that to my list. Won't forget it. Husky. I know. Why Why we gotta call him fat? <laughs> we are not sizists around here. After closing in 2009, there was said to be more than a few deaths at the jail of some... 278,225 tortured souls. It was rumored to be extremely haunted, and at first, I just wanted to go for the seasonal aspect of it. I'm a real slut for Halloween, (laughs) and they allow groups of six to go into a lockdown and ghost hunt. It seemed like the perfect spooky seasonal activity. The drive up is already something out of a horror movie. Long, winding roads lead you into Frozen Head State Park for what seems like an eternity. The longer we drove into the night, the more I began to think that I wasn't so dead set on going just for the scares. It felt more like I was going to experience something that night. We just kept driving endlessly into the dark until one of my friends in the back seat said, Uh, do you think that's it? And there it was, sitting like a castle in the mountain clearing. We parked our cars and walked in. Standing before the entrance was a sign that says, Welcome to Brushy. You've reached the end of the line. The lady at works there gave us the world's fastest tour so we could be on our spooky way. The gymnasium, known for poltergeist activity. The laundry facility, known for shadows. The hole, known for footsteps. The floor one cells, where the bodies fell. Floor two cells, where the cigarette smoke is. The cafeteria, the full body apparitions. Floor three cells, the riot, the auditorium slash hospital, the floor crawling creeper. Honestly, I blocked this out and we'll go into that later. And D block death row. She gave us a set of dousing rods and armed with nothing else but our iPhones and one flashlight, we were off into the dark. I honestly have always been a little skeptical of dousing rods, but that night getting a hold of them, I could really feel the pull of something trying to communicate with us. A little info on the rides. Crossing means yes, opening means no. First, we went to the gym, and aside from being spooky as hell, not much happened. The dousing rides moved a little, but that was it. Then was the laundry. The dousing rides were almost immediately responding to our yes and no questions. We heard a few clanks and left. Then we went back out to the courtyard to regroup and head over to the hole, solitary. In the cells, we didn't hear much. For all areas we went into, we would immediately introduce ourselves and ask if it was okay if we were there. This was our first negative experience, because when we asked if it was okay, the rods immediately swung up to a hard no. We thanked it and left the hole. We walked out to the guard station and heard what sounded like footsteps and again some dousing rod activity. We then proceeded to start walking the different floors lined with cells. On floor two, we heard someone come up the stairs even though no one else was there with us. We then went to the cafeteria and that's when shit got real. We sat in the middle of the floor in a circle and Winter, who had been manning the dousing rods the whole time, started asking questions. We determined the spirit's name was Stephen. 
We began hearing what sounded like people working in the kitchen. Winter asked him to touch her face. We waited. Nothing happened. Then she asked again. And strangely, my friend later told us that she lost hearing in her left ear and heard what sounded like static. Mm-mm. I know. Before she could say anything, Winter shot back and dropped the rods and yelped that someone had caressed her face. This definitely gave us a shock as to this being the first physical interaction we had. First. Foreshadowing of the foreskin? We stayed for a little bit longer and asked questions. We wanted to see if Stephen could touch one of us again, but I don't believe he could try. I feel like it takes a lot of their energy to physically touch a person more than it does to communicate. We left the cafeteria and went up to the auditorium slash hospital. None of us wanted to go in. Thinking back to the tour the staff gave us beforehand, I already had a bad feeling about this area. I don't know if it will make sense to some or will at all, but... Like many others, I have severe anxiety. This causes me to feel on a deep level others' emotions. Meaning, if I walk into a room and people are happy, I feel happy. If I walk in somewhere where others are mad or sad, then it immediately gives me a negative feeling. We all seem to have a bad feeling and could hear noises coming from inside. We finally got ourselves together and walked in. We asked with the dousing rods if it was okay if we were in there, and they shot open to a hard no. Okay, bye. Right. Needless to say, we quickly left the space. Later on, after our hunting, the staff told us a story about a girl that became almost possessed by something there a year ago. It was so bad that she wasn't herself after an hour when the staff got her out of the prison. She had zero recollection of what had happened. We walked to the final place, D-Block, Death Row. Winter and another of our friends passed on going in, no doubt spooked from what happened upstairs. The rest of us gave a quick sweep, and nothing notable happened. I'm honestly glad they didn't come in with the rods, though. This place felt heavy to me. The air was stale, unlike any of the other areas, and it just felt off. The tour guide let us know they have had a lot of negative activity in D-Block and had to actually close it down for a while. They believe whatever was in there had transferred to the auditorium slash hospital, and that's why that place is difficult to investigate now. Winter and our other friend were done and decided to go sit out in the parking lot. We had already paid for another hour and a half of time, so the four of us thought we'd like to do one more sweep. We wanted to go back to the cafeteria and find out what was making those noises. We took the rods up the stairs and went. The four of us sat in a makeshift circle and our friend Kim took the rods first. She began asking questions and the rod began giving us soft answers. We asked if he was the same spirit that talked to us earlier and they quickly crossed for yes. She asked if he liked having visitors, and they crossed, which made us all sad. Kim gave the rides to my friend Darian, and she started asking him how long he had been there and how old he was, all while getting very fast and deliberate answers. A cold wind shot through the room, and my friend and I looked at each other. She asked, are you still here? From across the room, we heard a very soft yes. No. Uh, I felt all of the hair stand up on end, and we all simultaneously asked, Did you hear that? She explained later that the right side of her body started to freeze. Then her entire being felt like it dropped 10 degrees. I sat to her left in the circle and could see her physically shaking. She asked if it was him making her right side cold. They crossed. We told him we were sorry he was lonely. 
Kim and I reached over to the space where Darian was sitting and could feel the air around her was freezing. She told us her ear had felt like a cold breath rhythmically breathing beside it. She asked if it was him and they crossed again. Then she asked if he could point the rods to show us where he was and they both slowly crept to the right until they rested against her shoulder. We laughed and said, oh, so you're a funny guy. They crossed and we all began laughing again. Darian asked if he was a ladies man and they crossed so far and so fast they spun all the way around. Damn. We all laughed with what was apparently our new felonious ghost friend for a few minutes until we asked if it was okay to leave. The rods crossed for yes. We thanked him for hanging out with us and left for the night. I don't know how to explain to you what happened. I really don't. I know for a fact you cannot manipulate those rods. I know the air around me and my friend was freezing. I heard the whispers, the clanks, the walking. I don't know what's out there after you leave your life behind, but I know it's something. I hope you enjoyed my story. I'm sorry it's insanely long. If you're ever in East Tennessee, I'd advise you to visit, even for a day tour. Creep it real, ladies. Sam. Wow. Um... I need to do... I was just thinking that. Yeah, I need to do it for an episode. That was really good, Sam. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. You definitely should look into that place, Donna. Yeah, definitely go into Especially, like, with that person, the, like, previous year. Yeah, the quasi-possession. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This one is called Spooky Stories. Cute. Hey, you beautiful chicks. I thought I would share this story of a Halloween long ago. Grew up in a smallish town in Mississippi, home of the University of Mississippi, and Halloween has always been a fun time. We trick-or-treated in town, down sorority frat row, and some years in the women's dorms. Loads of candy and fun. One year when I was about nine, my mom told me that the campus was off limits due to a peeping Tom slash creeper that was terrorizing the dorms and sororities. Then she took me into town, we lived about five miles out, and dropped me off at a friend's for trick-or-treating and a sleepover. I mean, classic, right? That sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, I never did that, though. Uh-huh. I always trick-or-treated with my sisters. Mm. I mean, I did it with my brother and my sister, too. I remember, though, like, that transition, because I'm the youngest kid. I mean, duh, but... Like, that transition of being the youngest and the only one trick-or-treating was so horrible. Like, going by yourself, horrible. Terrible decision. Terrible. Why? Who let me do that? (laughs) Why couldn't we have phoned a friend? (laughs) There were about six or seven of us in our group, and after supper, we took down the street. A couple of things to know. This was in the 60s, so no special hours on Halloween except home by 10 and we got to go out sans adult supervision except on campus. So, fall night, giggling girls, lots of running and screeching, you get the picture. Near the end of the night, we were on our way back and hitting the last few houses and also getting close to the residential end of campus. We had saved the best for last, as one of the professors always did a haunted house in an old deserted antebellum mansion next to his house. As we got close, my friend Laura Lee, such a cute southern name, mm -hmm, my friend Laura Lee noticed a man sort of lurking among the kids going towards the house. 
We, of course, decided that he was the peeper and started a small panic in the crowd, which caused a minor stampede toward the entrance. We all piled in the door and began the tour, led by Corpse Bride. But one by one, we all started seeing a shadowy figure either behind us in the corner of the room or disappearing around a corner. It was creepy and scary, and the shadow person just enhanced the fear. We ended the tour in the dining room, where we got candy apples and popcorn balls and relived the tour, with frequent mentions of the shadow man. The mom who was playing the corpse bride overheard and told us that there was no man and that we must have been imagining him. So, off we went home, where we counted our candy, made some exchanges, and got ready for bed. Around midnight, we heard lots of yelling. Sandra's mom came flying into the den to check on us, and then we heard the sirens and saw the lights. After about an hour, Sandra's dad came into the den and told us that a neighbor had looked out her window and saw a man looking in the window of the den where we all were. Mm -mm. She raised the alarm. The police gave chase, and according to Dr. Noble, he had been caught. We were all thrilled and chilled to be part of this whole affair. We got instant street cred with our friends and told the story until we found another tale to tell. As it turned out, we had not been told the whole story. What really happened that night was that we had been stalked. (gasps) All over town and back to the house. The police had gotten calls from several people reporting a shadowy figure following a group of girls, but they could never find him until he was spotted watching us. Holy shit. The cops tracked him down, but he was not caught that night and not spotted again on campus or in town. None of us were allowed out on our own after dark for months. And I was left with the fear of being alone outside in the dark. Even now, some 50 years later, I still get anxious listening to stories about shadow people. Thanks for reading and feel free to edit my ramblings. Stay spooky and don't eat too much candy, Nan. Holy shit, Nan. Right? I thought it was going to be like, oh, it was like yes. whatever, but whew, no, it was a real life monster. Oh my God. That's crazy too that all these people saw and reported like, yes, especially for the 60s. Damn, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's because people in the South are nosy as fuck. Truth. This one is Halloween Shadow Man. Oh, fuck. I know. Okay. Not my story, but my husband doesn't care if I share his because he thinks you guys are, quote, badass. Oh, damn. Thank you. When my husband was a kid, he started seeing shadow figures. He's never really been bothered by it, except this one shadow. On Halloween, after a long night of fun and trick-or-treating, he went to bed pretty tired. A few hours into sleeping, something woke him up. He saw a shadow in the corner of the room. It had red eyes and was giving off a sinister vibe. So he sat up, flipped at the bird, and told it to fuck off. Oh my god. That is hilarious. It left immediately. It wasn't the last time he'd tell an entity to fuck off, but it was the last time one would wake him up at night. Just like Carrie, don't fuck with CJ's sleep. Oh my gosh. Creep it real, but not real creepy, and act like a shadow man peeing on sleeping kids, Rachel. Holy crap. Yeah, don't be messing with somebody's fucking sleep now. That Mm-mm. shit's too important. You guys to get you good sleep. <laughs> All the time. Mm-hmm. All Naps. the time. 
You need to get a solid nine hours every night. Oh, at least. Gosh. At least. Mm-mm. And a nap. At least a two-hour nap. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, well, Emily wrote in, you know, our neighborhood witch, Mm -hmm. and she had a story, but she also had, like, a kind of a words of wisdom warning kind of thing, and that pertained to Halloween, Mm -hmm. but the other one didn't, so we're leaving that for another time, but this, I wanted to, you know, share her words. So, it's October 3rd when she was writing this. And so she said, since Halloween or Samhain is coming up, I figured I would write a little piece on Ouija boards. Under any and every circumstance you can come up with, do not create a makeshift spirit board with things like paper and shot glasses and stuff. Every time they show that in the movies, I just can't help but facepalm at the complete and utter stupidity of this. It's like the most insulting thing you can do to a spirit. And let me tell you, you don't want to have a bunch of pissed off spirits on your butt. Now, if you take the time to actually make a board with wood and put some heart into what you're doing, then it's much safer for you and you won't have anyone getting angry. If you want something fast and easy, just go buy one of them from Walmart or something. Most entities are used to this, and while it isn't extravagant, it's not paper you grab from your printer with a crappy pen from the junk drawer. Use it properly, and you won't have any issues. Sidebar, I called a drawer at work the other day, the junk drawer, and they all looked at me like I had three heads. What? I was like, y'all don't have a junk drawer at home? Oh my god, always. What? I was like, yeah. A drawer where you stick all your shit. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, but you don't call it a junk drawer? And they're like, no. Oh, my gosh. What the fuck? We had two at my old house. Oh, yeah. I mean, every drawer's a junk drawer. But, <laughs> but that's no, a really like, hard word to say. Two words to say, by the way. Mm-hmm. Junk drawer. Anyway, do y'all have junk drawers? And if you do, is that what you call them? Yes. Also, sprinkle some pink Himalayan salt around the board before use. You can get it from the dollar store. Just pour some in your hand, light a white candle, close your eyes, envision yourself pushing protection energy into the salt before surrounding the board. Extra protection. I hope you'll have an awesome spoopy season, and I'll send my first ever experience with a spirit later. Your friendly neighborhood witch, Emily. I've never heard that about putting the Himalayan salt around it. Me either. And you did a whole damn episode on the rules. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I knew salt, but I didn't know Himalayan salt. Yeah. It's pretty and pink. Mm-hmm. All right. This is the last Halloween sinister sighting. Oh. Hey, y'all. I don't know if y'all remember me, but I was the one who sent in the story of talking to my mama through a Ouija board earlier this year or last year. What the heck? I know. She read a Shadow Man. I read a Shadow Man. She reads a Ouija board. I read a Ouija board. I'm back now to talk to you about the murder of Lisa French. Her murder set in motion new laws regarding sexual predators in Wisconsin and changed the trick-or-treating in my hometown. I'm a little torn between not wanting to give my hometown's name, but at the same time, if you search Wisconsin Halloween Killer, the first result is a news article about it from the local paper. Picture it. Halloween night, 1973. Nine-year-old Lisa French went out to trick-or-treat around 6.30 p.m. Fondy town nickname, is a medium-sized town, about 43,500 as of the last census, with a small town feel. 
everyone knows everybody and your business is the neighborhood's business. Or maybe it's just the case in, with my family because my parents and grandparents knew slash know freaking everybody. Anyway, French was supposed to go trick-or-treating with a friend, but due to last-minute shenanigans, had to go alone. She made two stops before Gerald Miles Turner Jr., a neighbor she talked to regularly and trusted, invited her into his house, and she never came back. I think I know this story. Was this on an episode of um, something on ID? Hmm. No, maybe that was a 4th of July story. Turner lived with his girlfriend, Arlene Penn. Penn told the jury during the trial that she wasn't home when French came to her door because she took her baby to a small block party some parents were throwing. But she came home around 7.15 p.m. When she came home, she said Turner was on the couch in a bathrobe saying he was sick. She didn't think much of it and went to go visit her mother. When she came back, she said Turner had gone to the bedroom to lay down. Had she gone to check on him, she would have found French's naked body in the adjacent bathroom. Lisa had been told to be home by 7 p.m. By 10 p.m., the neighborhood had gathered to search for the child. The police started an all-night search, and up to 5,000 people were trying to help find her. The next day, gas stations were offering 25 gallons free gas for anyone who found French. The National Guard sent out helicopters to get an overhead view of Fondy and nearby towns. About two and a half days after her disappearance, a farmer was coming back home to a little village out of town on his tractor at about 11.30 a.m. when he came upon two garbage bags. French's body was in one, her clothes in the other. On November 6th, most of the community packed into a church for her funeral. Turner was arrested nine months after French's reported disappearance. The local police department had been questioning him since her disappearance. He confessed to killing French on August 8, 1974, but then said that the confession were not, quote, were not his words, saying that, quote, I got sick and tired of being harassed by police calling on me. He said that he was highly sexually motivated when French came to his house that night when he took her into his bedroom. Turner noticed at one point that French wasn't breathing. He allegedly tried to revive her, but by that point, his girlfriend had come home. At that point, he moved her body to the bathroom attached to the bedroom. The autopsy done rules asphyxiation as the cause of death. The pathologist testified she died of shock during the assault. Poor baby. Turner was found guilty of second-degree murder, enticing a child for immoral purposes, and acts of sexual perversion. He started his sentence on February 4, 1975. He was eligible for parole slash was in halfway houses for parole, but was forced to go back to prison each time or the community he was going to be released into slash Fondy residents raised hell about it. To my knowledge, the last time he was about to be released was 2018, but is still locked up. Wisconsin, due to all of this bullshittery, placed new laws on the books stating that violent sex offenders are allowed to be committed to a secured treatment center when they come up for parole if they are deemed a threat to society. It's known as Turner's Law, but I'm not sure if that's the actual name. French's mother stated during the trial, Turner turned to face her during the sentencing and said, quote, I didn't mean to do it. I shit you not. I'll put the links to the news articles at the end of the email. Sorry, not sorry. This is so long. <laughs> I hope it can make it into the show for Halloween. Creep it real, y'all. And W. 
we also got another email about this and they said, so I lived in my town for about eight years now. When I had my first Halloween here, someone told me the story as to why trick-or-treating is no longer on Halloween night here. It started in 1973. A nine-year-old girl named Lisa Ann French went trick-or-treating dressed as a hobo and left her parents' house at 6 p.m. And they said, ladies, I'm going to be honest. I tried to write this out, but the craziness of what happened to him after they caught him, I could not put into proper words. So here's a link I was using to help me fill in the blanks. Shit is flipping nuts. Like, I can't even. I want to punch a wall. Wow. That's crazy that we had two people send in. The same town. Like, mm-hmm. live in the same. And it's and apparently it's like the small Wisconsin town. Right. These stories were amazing. So good. Thank you so much for sending in all of your Halloween stories. We hope y'all have an amazing Halloween today. Be safe. Have fun trick-or-treating or trunk-or-treating or passing out candy or or watching movies or whatever mm-hmm. the hell you decide to do today. Just remember to be safe. If you're on the road, watch out for kids darting in and out of cars because they are going to do that. Yes. Be aware of your surroundings, and remember, creep it real, and and don't don't get scared, and happy Halloween. Halloween.